Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. First Kings chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. I have to be honest. I usually try to be topical and occasion-based preaching. I uh, usually try to do that, especially during Holy Week, but the Lord sent us another way tonight. I hope y'all don't mind. Amen. If you do, blame the Spirit. Amen. First Kings chapter 19. Uh, first Kings chapter 19. I just I just feel that this is this is the word for tonight. First Kings chapter 19, beginning at verse one. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. When you have it, let it be known by saying amen. 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 First Kings chapter 19, beginning at verse one. We're going to read down to verse eight. And from the New Living Translation, here's what it says. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. This is the word of the Lord. Might the people of God say amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk tonight the Holy Spirit's guidance with your prayers from the subject. I can't let it kill me. I can't let it kill me me. Beloved, we're not in the season of nudging or touching anybody, so just look at somebody and, 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 and tell a neighbor, I can't let it kill me. I can't. Let's bow. Let's bow. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you again for this day. Thank you for grace. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being better to us than we could ever deserve. Thank you for giving things to us that you know we could never return back to you. Thank you, Lord, that your love is unconditional, not simply reciprocal. The reason we're able to love you is because you first loved us. So God, here's our prayer tonight as we gather around your word. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Allow it to be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God, preach through me, to me, and for me. Send a word so your people are edified, but in everything, your name is glorified. 
God, I bless you for the treasure that you've placed in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Punish not your people now for the frailty of your preacher. Allow me to say it the way you want it said. My power is not enough. God, I need yours. My strength is insufficient. I need you. Have your way. Do what only you can do. Say what only you can say. And we'll be careful to give you glory, honor, praise, and credit, both now and forever. The blessed people of God said, Amen. Amen. I, I can't let it kill me. Leaky faucets. Quiet. Steady. Seemingly not that big of a deal. Leaky faucets able to be hidden by the busyness of your house. Leaky faucets able to be forgotten by the busyness of your life. You see the leaky faucet, but you always see it while you're about to do something else. And the importance of that something else always makes you forget all about it. Then you see it again in the morning. But now it's time to go to work. You ain't got time to deal with that. You get home, get settled, see it, might even hear it again. But now it's time to go to bed. Too tired. Ain't got time to deal with that now. Before you know it, the leaky faucet has blended into the soundtrack of your lifestyle. You don't even see it. You don't even hear it. You've forgotten about it completely. But what you didn't know is that one faucet dripping 10 drips a minute equals 14,400 drips a day. 3.7 liters per day. That's one gallon per day. 365 gallons a year. That's a lot of wasted water. Oh, and then the water bill arrives. And the cost is way higher than it's really supposed to be. That's because issues that start small but go unaddressed will always cost you more than they should. Might I submit to you tonight, stress is one of those issues. It always starts small, quiet, steady, not that big of a deal. We're too busy to deal with it. We'll just push through it. But when we don't address it, it builds slowly. It builds steadily. And it always costs more in the end than it really should. Beloved, if you don't address the stress in your life, it will get to the point where you cannot ignore it. And there is no one listening to me tonight on, on site or online who is not dealing with some kind of stress, some shape, form, or fashion tonight. Now, I know you might not testify about the presence and the power of stress in your life at a Holy Week revival. But let me give you what the data says. The data says Americans are the most stressed people in the world. That our current stress level is 20 percentage points higher than the global average. That as a nation, we have the most and are managing it the worst. And beloved, stress can come from anywhere and it affects every 
thing, 83% of Americans experience workplace stress. Let the church say amen. 25% of employees say they are at risk of burnout within a year. 42% of U.S. adults cite personal debt as a source of stress. 75% of U.S. adults report physical and emotional symptoms of stress. You know these headaches, fatigue, changing sleep patterns. Beloved, every generation is impacted by stress. 49% of 18 to 24-year-olds report high stress levels from comparing themselves to each other. You, 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 you know that mental violence we do when we scroll up and down timelines thinking somebody else's reality or somebody else's image is their reality and it's not ours. Americans aged 30 to 49 have the highest stress levels at 65% and Americans 15 to 29 are next at 64%. And seniors, elders, you're not exempt from this. Adults over 60 cite loneliness and isolation as chief causes of stress. It was in October 2020 that the American Psychological Association cited stress in the era of COVID-19 as a national mental health crisis. Stress impacts every part of our existence. Mental, physical, emotional, and social. And the impact lingers longer than any of us are aware of. And yes, with your saved self, stress affects spiritual people. Beloved, please know that your faith in Christ does not disqualify you and I from the causes and effects of stress, that stress will come see you no matter how much you call on Jesus' name. Okay, how close you are to the Savior. You might have a cell phone number, the one that's not listed. It doesn't matter. Stress will still come and see you. And people who think faith will dismiss stress from their lives are actually inviting more stress into it. Our faith, beloved, does not eliminate the reality of stress from our lives. Psalm 34, 19, David said it this way. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Last time I checked, afflictions were stressful. However, our faith, beloved, should give you and I God's perspective concerning stress. And from that perspective, I believe we are empowered to respond to it and manage it in healthy ways. See, an accurate understanding of our faith reveals that through Christ, yes, we can do all things. And all things includes addressing issues, not just ignoring them. Standing and confronting them, not just seeking to shout them away. Facing things that need to be fixed. And in order to address the stress in our lives, beloved, it's going to require you and I to make some adjustments. Besides, if, if you want something you've never had, it might require you to do something you've never done. Beloved, I love the text today because the text today exposes for us a particular human moment in the life of a biblical hero when his stress became more than he could handle. He's that Old Testament hero by the name of Elijah, the one who has exploits, miracles, signs, and wonders under his belt. The one who, whom when he prays, God listens and responds. 
It is right on the heels of a mountaintop and miraculous moment when Elijah is on Mount Carmel and he embarrasses the prophets of Asherah and Baal and the sacrifice he set up is consumed and he proves once and for all that the God of Israel was the God that they ought to be following. But on the heels of a mountaintop moment, Ahab the king is married to Queen Jezebel and Jezebel puts an all points bulletin out on Elijah and declares that by this time tomorrow, Elijah's going to be dead the same way her prophets got killed on Mount Carmel. Elijah now finds himself from the height of popularity and performance now to being chased as a fugitive through the wilderness. And he cannot take much more. He's gone as far as he can go. He's done as much as he can do. And he prays to God, take my life. Prophets ain't supposed to pray like that. Leading preachers and leading movement leaders aren't supposed to make requests like that. But stress will strike at your soul in a way that you'll say things and wish for things you never considered before. I wish somebody would tell the truth tonight because it's through this lens of this painful moment for Elijah that I believe there's some purpose-filled adjustments that you and I need to make so that we don't let stressful seasons kill us. You cannot opt out of stress. You got to deal with it. You got to face it. You got to handle it. But it does not have to write the last word in your life. It does not have to siphon the hope and the joy from your existence. It does not have to steal your vitality and your vigor. You can still be all God called you to be if you learn how to handle what's trying to kill you. Beloved, there's some adjustments here tonight I want to share with you, and I promise I'll get out of your way. How, how do we handle stressful seasons? I think we can learn from Elijah that if you're going to handle stressful seasons, number one, you got to change your pace. So you got to change your pace. You got to change your pace. Uh, you, you have your Bible. You need it tonight. Verse, verses three and four. Here's what the text says. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba in the town of Judah and left his servant there. Then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, sat down under a broom tree. And there in this fierce moment, after confidently standing for God, he begins to waver in the confidence he has in himself. Elijah is running for his life. He's afraid. He's feeling the effects of success and fear. And knowing where he is right now, God provides for him respite. A break. After standing strong and traveling so long, he finally gets to stop. He, he, he is running for his life, but God gives him a safe place to sit down. His pace is changed so he can collect himself. And I submit to you that much of the human stress that we deal with is rhythmic. We, we are not stressed solely by what we do. We are stressed by the rhythm and the pace with which we do it. 
that in our world, the demands upon us can be relentless and recovery time between moments of production gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And before we know it, recovery time is lost. You go from one emergency to another, one crisis to another, one issue and problem to another. And without recovery time, the body, the mind, and the soul begin to suffer. Beloved, if you're going to get your balance back, it often requires more than a small shift. It requires a hard reset. That we got to disrupt the habit of activity so peace can become a reality. In those times, beloved, I, I, I want to submit, we got to intentionally change our pace. Oh, I know. I hear you. I know. There's always more to do. Can I tell you, there's always going to be more to do. I hear you that, that, that there's somebody else I need to get to. Can I tell you, there's always going to be somebody else you got to get to. But if you don't change your pace and disrupt the mounting chaos that is in your soul, you may not have anything left to give to anybody or anything else. No, no, notice, notice for Elijah here that changing his pace also meant changing his people. Do you have your Bible? Verse 3, the text says he went to Beersheba and left his servant there. In other words, he disengaged from the expectations of others so he would have more time for himself. Who am I talking to tonight? What does changing your pace look like for you? That, that, that doesn't mean cutting your phone off after a certain time at night so that people who've been waiting for you to be God for them can finally learn who God really is. That, that doesn't mean uh, taking a vacation. I mean a real one where you don't take your laptop and your cell phone and your business stuff with you? What, 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 what if it means recalibrating your friendships so you can focus? What, what if it means rearranging your calendar so every second is not used for everybody else and there is none left for you? Beloved, whatever changing your pace requires, I want to submit to you, you are worth the change. Whatever it takes, whatever it means, you are worth the investment because when your soul has nothing left to give, you ain't got nothing left to give. And before you get there, you got to make sure there are some reserves left for yourself. You want to survive stressful seasons, you got to change your pace. Wait a minute. There's something else you got to do. Number two, you got to tell your truth. I, 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 didn't, I didn't say tell the truth. I said tell your truth. Do you have your Bible? The text says in verse 4, uh, Elijah lays it out for God, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't play, doesn't pull any punches, doesn't play any games. He, play, he prays to God. He said, God, I'd have had enough. He says, take my life. Because I ain't no better than my ancestors who've already died. This is a stressful moment for Elijah that he could not 
sugarcoat. And in no uncertain terms, he lets God have it. He wants to die because he can't take living like this anymore. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is strange because didn't Elijah just have a mountaintop successful moment? Didn't he just have a great moment where he defeated the prophets of Baal and Asherah? You mean to tell me after his greatest moment, he wants to end it all? Because the pressure is too much. You ever won in public and lost at home? You, you ever conquered uh, before crowds? But when you got by yourself, you crumbled. That, that, that's, 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 that's where he is. Have, have you ever been here? Here's a better question. Have you ever been here and actually said it out loud? I want to suggest, uh, beloved, that the key tonight is not just that Elijah thought it. But the key here might be that Elijah told somebody. See, for Elijah, God was the one he needed to tell. And beloved, that's a great place to start. And I hear the churchy people already. I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. I cannot bear these burdens alone. What a friend we have in Jesus, all of our. See, I hear you. I hear you. But before you get too spiritual, don't you miss this lesson tonight. Uh, be, be, be because, beloved, uh, I hope, I hope I don't go too far, Pastor. Uh, telling your truth isn't just telling God. Because if I'm honest, I can tell God my truth, but never really have to own it. Because see, if I tell God, God ain't going to tell nobody else. And so I never really have to wrestle with it in a serious, tangible, and authentic way. But what if telling your truth means telling somebody else? What if means telling somebody who will hold you accountable for the truth you just shared? Y'all don't like this kind of preaching. What, 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 if, what if telling your truth about your stress involves seeing a therapist? What, what, what if telling your truth about your stress means telling your doctors that your body can't respond to their treatment plan because your mind is what really needs the medicine. Y'all don't like this kind of preaching. What if telling the truth about your stress means being honest with your family, telling them that they are part of the why you so stressed? Now, now that's an adjustment. That, that's, that's doing something different. But when you tell your truth about your stress, you are actually taking the first step to getting better. And beloved, you can't, you can't miss this step. Because for Elijah, telling his truth began the process of God responding. He says, God, this is where I'm at. And God begins the process of getting him to where he needs to be. If Elijah was never honest and vocal about where he was, he would never have gotten what he needed. Can I tell you, you cannot overcome anything you won't take ownership for. Stop blaming everybody else for your stress when you are responsible for what you say yes and no to. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. 
Stop blaming the world for putting things on your shoulders when you carry it around a basket. Tell me I'll put it in. Y'all here tonight? You, 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 you won't deal. You won't deal with your stress and make sure it doesn't kill you. You got to change your pace. You got to tell your truth. Here's the third one. Uh, Elijah shows us. Here it is. You got to address your needs. Somebody say my needs, my needs, my needs. You, you, you got you to gotta address your needs. Please, please, please grab your text real quick and, and watch what happens in verses 5 through 7. In verse 5, he lays down. He sleeps under the broom tree. And while he's sleeping, an angel touches him, tells him, get up. And when he wakes up, he has hot bread and water waiting for him. He eats, drinks, lays down again. Angel wakes him up again and says, get up, eat and drink. And then you got to do it because the journey will be too much if you don't. Watch this. Some of Elijah's stress came from what he did. But I would argue that some of it also came from what he didn't do. All we hear about in the narrative and explanations of Elijah are his exploits and the things he did for God and for everybody else. What we do not get a glimpse into is what Elijah did for himself. And maybe we don't get insight into it because it was so irregular. It was so unusual. It was so out of the ordinary. It was so unplanned, unstructured, and unscheduled. But now that he's on the verge of burnout, he's got to address his needs. And the first need met is the one Elijah needs the most. Rest. R E S T. Rest. He's been helping, serving, and fixing things for everybody else and forgot to carve out space for his own renewal. He probably thought, just like you and I do, I'll get to it. Let me finish this first. I, 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 I got work first and then I'll rest. But now he's empty. He's got nothing left. And the first thing his body demands when life finally makes him listen is rest. Beloved, if you don't hear much else I say tonight, I need you to grab this sentence. Hear me. Rest is not a reward. Rest is a requirement. Rest is not something you earn after you have done all of your work. Rest is something you need so you can do all of your work. Rest is not something you qualify for after a season of productivity. Rest is something you need regularly so you can be productive. And too often, we treat rest as if it has to be earned. And if we don't feel like we earned it, we feel guilty when we take it. I'm talking to people tonight 
for when you take a nap, you wake up mad. And you're mad because you're thinking about all the stuff you could have done while you were asleep. I'm talking to people tonight who when you finally get a serious two-hour nap, it feels like Christmas. Because you ain't had one of them in eight months. Are you here tonight? And culture and even church has messed us up with this. We have spiritualized workaholism and made it as something that makes God happy. So in order to make God smile, I got to kill myself. What kind of insane toxic theology is that? Last time I checked, the Lord rested on the seventh day. Trying to teach us something. Rest is an element and a statement that I can rest because I'm trusting the one who's still on the job. Love it. Can I tell you it's your lack of rest that's really feeding your stress? It ain't what you carry. It's how you carry it. And the lack of rest is feeding our stress the most. Please notice, Elijah starts to get rest in the text, and when he goes to sleep, while he sleeps, all the other needs he has get met. He goes to sleep. He wakes up. He's hungry. Food there waiting for him. He goes to sleep, wakes up, thirsty. Water there waiting for him. Goes to sleep, wakes up. An angel is there now to give him guidance about what's going to happen after this. But without rest, Elijah would never have recognized that his needs were being met. Can I ask you some questions tonight? Where in your life are you treating rest like a reward when it's really a requirement? What adjustments do you need to make so rest is normal, not exceptional? How, how much guidance from God are you missing because you are too tired to hear it? It ain't that God ain't talking. It's that we're too tired to hear him. The background noise of our lives is so loud that we can't hear the still, small voice of the divine. Don't let it kill you. You got to change your pace. You got to tell you the truth. You got to address your needs. Here's the last one. Here's number four. And I'm going. Here, here it is. You got to listen for your next steps. Got to listen, got to listen, got to listen. Somebody say, listen, listen, listen. Listen for your next steps. Verse 8, Bible says, so he got up. He ate, he drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. After Elijah gets his needs addressed, he begins the next phase of his journey. The Bible says he heads to Mount Sinai. That, 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 that Mount Sinai is often called the mountain of God, and it has spiritual and biblical significance for Israel because it was the place where God spoke to Moses and gave him the law. It's symbolic of a place where God speaks. God, when Elijah gets to Mount Sinai, is going to have a powerful conversation 
with him. You got to read it in the rest of chapter 19. It'll be a conversation that will transform and ultimately order the rest of his life. But it could not happen until Elijah was in a better place to hear God. This is why stress is so spiritually dangerous. Stress, unmanaged, impacts your ability to hear God. There are certain things God can't say to us in stressful moments because we don't have the soul capacity to process what God is saying. And when we can't hear the voice of God, it's a dangerous place to be because we get left to our own voices. Or, or, or perhaps even worse, we get left to the voices of others. And that can always be tragic. Beloved, responding to your stressful season, beloved, is not going to be based on how clear you're able to see your future because we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. But it's going to be based on how clearly you can hear from God about what your next steps are going to be. How much rest do you need so you can stop convincing yourself that your voice is God? This thing on? How much of a break is it going to take? For you to finally discover that your good ideas were not God ideas. They were just your immediate responses to the emergencies you kept jumping into. You here tonight? You can survive stressful seasons. But it's going to require you to change your pace. It's going to demand that you tell your truth. It's going to demand that you address your needs and that you listen for your next steps. Got a question. I'm going to let you go. Why do you need to listen for your next steps? Beloved, you need to listen for your next steps because you have next steps. Too fast. I'll say it again. You got to be able to hear God for your next steps because you have next steps. You missed your shout cue. I'll back it up, give it to you one more time. Beloved, the reason you can rest well tonight and listen for the voice of God to get your next steps is because you have next steps. What does that mean? That means as stressed as you are, this ain't the end of your story. Can we go to church real quick? I said as stressed as you are and as bothered as you might feel tonight, stress does not have to write the last words on your life. Stress does not have to produce the obituary for your life in this season. I know you're going through a lot of things right now. I know you're dealing with challenges and headaches. I know chaos and calamity is jumping off all around you. And I know everything about you wants to say, God, how in the world am I going to get out of 
this. But I hear God saying tonight, if you'll just rest and let me be God. If you stop trying to fight every battle that shows up in your life. If you learn to say the battle is not mine, it is the Lord. And if you learn how to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, you will discover that while you're resting, God has been working on your behalf. While you're being renewed and rejuvenated, you will discover that all night and all day, angels have been watching over you. You're trying to figure out why you're still here with all the hell you've encountered. You're trying to figure out how you navigated a pandemic and craziness all in your world. I'm trying to tell you, you made it because God's grace has been sufficient. You made it because God is a merciful God. You made it because when there were battles you couldn't fight, God fought them on your behalf. You made it because God has been looking out for you, been opening doors for you. The devil planned in your life a long time ago, but every time the enemy came in like a flood, God lifted up a standard and stood by your side. That's why you ought to get some good sleep tonight because while you're resting God is being who God is while you are slumbering God is working on your behalf while you're being rejuvenated God is standing in the gap and making sure every need it is supplied protecting you from enemies you can't see standing by your side and making ways out of no way. I got to get out of here, y'all. But is there anybody in the building tonight or in the virtual sanctuary that can testify? I made it this far because of the goodness and the grace of God. Should have been dead, sleeping in my grave. But God made old death behave. God has stood by my side. God has opened up doors and made ways for me. If that's your testimony tonight, lift your tired hands. Open up your tired mouth and give your God a praise that says I give it to you. I surrender. No more trying to fix it. No more trying to handle it. No more putting people in their place. I'm laying it at your feet and I'm going to sleep tonight. Have your way, God, and do what only you can do. And I believe when I wake up in the morning, everything is going to be all right. Is there anybody here tonight that's got a feeling that everything, I said everything, everything is going to be all right if you know it will because God's on the throne. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. 
You can count on God to fight your battles for you. Go to bed. Stop being on for everybody and always off for you. You got vacation days you ain't taken yet because you're ashamed to go. Scared the world gonna fall apart when you leave. Can I help you? You don't hold the world together. God's got that. Take your break. Get you some rest. Take a nap. Go on vacation. Sit down somewhere. Cut your phone off and do it without apology so you can be rejuvenated and refilled. You're fixing everybody else. And your purpose is still left undone. Because by the time you get to you, ain't no more left. Can I pray for you tonight? I just just came to help somebody. Listen, this is autobiographical preaching. I ain't telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. I went through a season in these last two years where I felt like I was losing my mind. It was because I had put divine expectations on human personality. Your shoulders are not designed to carry God's weight. And if you try it too long, it'll take you out of here. Tonight, I want to lead us in a prayer, first of all, of repentance. Repentance of our own idolatry. Thinking we could do what only God could do. Then a prayer of petition. Says God, change how I see things so I don't keep getting myself in places that I may not recover from. Let's bow. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Sometimes your word shouts us, other times your word puts us on the couch and makes us look at ourselves. Tonight, God, as a people, we repent for attempting to carry weight that was never ours in the first place. Fooling ourselves that if we don't do it, it ain't going to get done. But in doing so, we took you off the throne of our lives and put ourselves on. Forgive us, God. Thank you for the reminder, Lord, that the earth is still yours. The fullness thereof. And God, you have never taken a shift off. You are always watching over us. So Lord, teach us how to trust you when the moments get too much. Teach us how to build spaces and places in our lives and regimen for rest and recovery. Free us from the demon of do-it-all-ism. Teach us how to stop 
even when it ain't done. So we can come back the next time and do it again. Free us from the spirit of perfectionism that says that if it ain't done our way, it can't be done right. Teach us how to be good stewards of our minds. Teach us how to become regular visitors to the doctor, not emergency visitors. Teach us how to make time for ourselves and to do it without apology. Teach us to trust you. By stopping when we have to. Help us to model for the next generation what this looks like. Otherwise, we will create another generation who kills themselves too. Teach us the value and the rhythm of rest. So that we can be fully present and hear you clearly when you're speaking. This is our prayer tonight. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, if you receive it, give God praise tonight. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.